Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever or wherever you're listening to this, and welcome to the show I call Kebeta. From the Ukrainian language, it means basically something like wisdom, um, intellectual things, and something like that. I had this channel uh, somewhere on the other side of the internet, and it was basically about the Ukrainian um, history, the Ukrainian people who made an impact, and everything relates that relates to Ukraine. However, in the meantime, I've graduated. Yes, thank you. Congratulations to me. I gained my bachelor degree, and I thought it would be a really nice thing to do. And it's summer, and summer means reading books for some and for some not really, but in any event, I decided to make this little project. And although I do have my other channel that's called Kebeta as well, this one is going to be um, with the dot, and this is going to be in English, so that's basically it. But nonetheless, um, I would love for you to dive in into the today's topic with me, which is George Orwell's Animal Farm. And from what I've gathered, there has been a lot of talk in the classes. I've never read it personally before going to the university, and I actually got introduced to this whole situation through a theater production. So at my university, I had to go to an event, and it happened to be the animal farm production for that season. And I really like to say that somehow when everyone had fun, there were comedic some situations within the book and, you know, the production kind of portrayed that. I was kind of like slumbered into my own dismay that this piece of work actually explained the situation that was happening in the Soviet Union and uh, some of the stories that my great parents told me, my parents told me, kind of correlated to the whole situation that George Orwell describes in his book and it kind of like blew my mind that for some people that's giggles and jokes and you know that they take it really um lightheartedly I would say where I took it very very serious um on the matter I went and read the whole piece and I would say that theater person did a good job but it cannot be compared to the book so I would highly encourage you to go and reread if you have already read and I assume you have and kind of with my essence of what I gathered, go and reread if, if you'd like. And I think there are many details that Orwell kind of wants for his readers to have and to know. And for those who know history of the Soviet Union, and especially something um, Lev Dobransky, which I will also talk about a bit later in the, later in the show, he has described uh, some, there is a notion called prison nations and that's what exactly um, represents countries that were invaded occupied involuntarily by the soviet russia but nonetheless let's dive into the today's show um show's episode or show's theme i guess george orwell's animal farm Today we're going to be discussing George Orwell, who was born in 1903 and passed away in 1950, who was also an English novelist, essayist, activist, veteran, soldier, and so many other things. However, the work which brought him his fame, and which we will be discussing today, was The Animal Farm, written in 1945, a short novel that demonstrated and exposed the true nature and thus the dangers of the totalitarian rule, specifically that of Soviet Russia's, and the Soviet regime overall, I would say. 
From what I have gathered from the study guides and the spreadsheets which teach this topic in various countries, the general portrayal of the story tends to concentrate more on the aspect of the Russian Revolution and then the rise of the power of um, Joseph Stalin. The reoccurring tendency, I should say, is something of two pigs, which might represent Stalin and Trotsky, and the tendency of kind of showing how the poor snowball, which is the pig, was expelled and later found in the warm country of Mexico with an ice axe at the back of his skull. Nonetheless, I think it would be incorrect to cross out the piggy from the list of antagonists, especially the snowball, since he put enough effort and participated in creating deceitful acts to establish a communist regime at the farm. Nevertheless, when reading on the antagonist section, the lovely spark notes, which I took mainly my sources because, let's be honest, a lot of people tend to go to spark notes without reading the book and, you know, write their asses from there. The spark notes put uh, the ultimate bad guy to be the power itself, since by the end of the novel the reader allegedly shall conclude that humans and pigs are exactly alike because they are equally corrupted by political power, end quote. I guess I, sh I should have said, um, open quote, exactly alike, but you got the point. Of course, before stating that the primarily, um, that the primary, that the primary antagonist, sorry, was Mr. Jones and then the pigs, and lastly concluding that the whole power should, you know, uh, should, should be seen as this big antagonist. Interestingly enough, and do not call me on that, but I'm quite sure that Hobbes was the one, and many uh, supported his idea, that without a vessel, uh, power cannot do harm, alluding that the chaos happens not because of the notion of power, but rather because people use power to create this chaos, thus blaming the, the gunpowder, for example, simply because it exists for all the evil in the world is a, is a bit silly and misconstruing almost the situation. As a result, I think Sparknotes really missed the mark on that one, and it's a big mark to miss, I would say. Second, the fact that the conclusion suggests that the humans and the pigs are the same and all is a fantastic misinterpretation of the situation, again, and the reality. There is a phrase, I think, that sums up that if you put a pig in a suit, doesn't make him a man. Therefore, I would rather state that George Orwell wanted to show how desperate the Soviet leaders and the Soviet Russia wanted to be like the powerful and the civilized West, since Soviet Russia couldn't come up with new innovations and thus had to use invaded slash stolen resources and later or immediately put various captive nations or the prisoner nations, as I said in the introduction, um, to work for them. And since creating or producing wasn't their forte, they had to sum up the things I just pointed out earlier and use it as their default. Therefore, pigs and men are not alike, but the piggies rather want to be like or imitate the human men. All in all, if to look at the novel and the history of the USSR, one should see the resemblance where the pigs reject human ways of governing and propagate the fortunes of communal aspirations or the communism. Yet, it is usually done to masses, as the rule obviously doesn't pertain to them. Lastly, while the first engagement of George Orwell's animal form, as I said, 
was due to the theater production. I later dived into the book itself and saw many details that alluded to the events that happened not in Russia, but rather the terrors um, and the terrors of the prison nations and what they had to endure, in particular Ukraine. So here are the few notes that I have found while reading this book. Who knows, maybe it will push you to reread George Orwell's work again or give you another perspective on totalitarian regime and what the author of the novel was actually trying to get his reader to see, leaving the messages between the lines. Or the lines, I don't know, the lies, the lines, whichever it is. Or maybe it can help you to write an outstanding paper, obviously after researching on these topics deeper, and see the other themes of the animal farm, giving your teacher a new topic to read, instead of beating the same theme over and over again of the corrupted political power. The first one, why Kolhosp and not a farm? During the USSR times, no one owned a land and it all belonged to the people. However, the state was in charge of it because it was apparently convenient and it was righteous distribution. So you can think of it as we will hold on to it, so don't worry, but it's for everyone. However, in reality, it was not for everyone, it was for no one. Hence, Kolhosp was a place where people worked on the land for free and the crops were not theirs to take. The government took it, the state took it, if you will. So in other words, they received an unequal amount of earnings for the amount of labor they had to put in. And the amount of labor was no way near to the amount they were paid. So process of reciprocity was, was not by any means seen during the USSR times, although current uh, people who support socialism really, really believe that that's going to be the case if th this regime is going to be established. Therefore, no farms could be found in the USSR, and they were rather called kolhosps. The next one is that USSR is not a one state, or I should say gladly, thankfully, was not a one state. So some resources, some politicians, and I've heard it while studying abroad, that there is a confusion that USSR was a one co coherent state. Um, and the usual interchangeable word used when, uh, for example, when, when, for example, someone writes an essay or something like that, they interchange USSR with Russia, which is, um, it's sad news to break to some of, some of the people, but, um, when talking about USSR, it is better to represent a picture where various invaded nations or prison nations um, were occupied and invaded by the creator or the chief of this involuntary union, which was Soviet Russia. So if you really want to use interchangeably USSR, um, I would rather say Soviet Russia and the prison nations, which as well a term that I do not, I'm not 100% sure when it was developed, but I'm quite I'm um, sure that Lev Dabransky, which book we're going to be discussing, and I think it's an amazing introduction to the um, USSR or Soviet history, especially if you're interested in that topic. It's a good introduction, go read it, and it's called The Vulnerable Russians by Lev E. Dabransky. Another point that I found while reading the book is that the first ever translation of The Animal Farm was translated into Ukrainian. 
So the story is that George Orwell decided for his novel to be first translated into Ukrainian. He wanted it that way. And the person who got it translated was Ihor Shevchenko, whose uh, pen name was Ivan Chernyansky, who was also uh, the head of the Ukrainian Academy of Arts and Sciences in the US, as well as was a known Harvard professor and essentially a good friend of Orwell, who um, later kind of said, well, if we're going to do it, you'll have to be the one to, to translate it. And these two men got to work. So because Shevchenko and Orwell knew each other well, um, Shevchenko asked Orwell to write a short note to the Ukrainian reader in particular. And while reading the Ukrainian version of Animal Far, meaning the translated version, I read the note. And one of the standing out quotes uh, from George Orwell to the Ukrainian reader was something like, I'm quite aware that I'm writing for a reader about whom I know nothing. And it indeed suggests that Orwell wrote and put into his animal farm moments of Ukrainian history and other particular engagements with the Soviet Russia and, and the concept of the USSR that Ukraine had to endure during those years. Another quick thing that I I thought would be a nice thing to put out in, into the world of the internet was to go um, through some of the chapters and the observations that I had was in chapter two, for example, Molly asks for sugar after the revolution, but Snowball assures her that there is no necessity for that to have in the farm. And the reasons? Well, they cannot produce it and they won't buy it. So why buy it just for her, you know? And, and they said the quality, everyone's going to be equal. So everyone eats the same and wears the same. So there is no self-identification nor self-expression. Therefore, Molly can go and have no ribbons, no sugar. In chapter three, we learn that the best propaganda is done through the youth. And the example particular to the book is when puppies turn against their own parents. In the USSR and its KGB times, tricking kids um, into spying on their parents was a routine thing to do. So what was it in for the kid to do that, to basically rat out or, I guess, um, tell on their parents to the government? Well, and, you know, ha just to remind you, you know, when, when the parents are being taken and interrogated and stuff like that, the kid is alone. So what's, what's the biggest price, you know, the millions, the gold? Well, actually, it was a stale scone. In chapter three, a reference to Ukrainian nationalistic organization can be seen after Molly disappears and is later seen with a wagon, uh, which colors are red and black. And these were colors uh, specifically, I, I believe, dedicated to the uh, colors that have similar pattern, similar co colors on the flag of Ukrainian resistance. Um, and at the end of that time, uh, Ukrainian nationalistic organization was fighting against the USSR. And I think George Orwell portrayed um, this piece as well. In chapter five, the communist manifesto um, of not working, everyone was excited that they, you know, that they are not going to work a lot. There's going to be a retirement plan. Yeah, uh, none of it was, you know, fulfilled. Neither there was food nor a better life overall. So um, also when a squealer emphasizes that loyalty and services are more important than courage, uh, this is your communist one-on-one lesson and it's for free, actually. <laughs> 
Um, in chapter seven, hunger, hunger, and more hunger has been a reality of the USSR's regime. The Soviet Russia took various opportunities to create a made-man famine in Ukraine, uh, particular cases is 1931-33, and later in 1946-47, which we call Holodomor. And just to give you an estimated numbers, um, after, well, not the first Holodomor, but Holodomor, in, um, which finished in 1933, the established num numbers of deaths um, were over 8 to 12 million of deaths, where the high percentages of those dying from Holodomor and hunger, basically, um, were ages from 6 to 17 years old. So that's your younger population. Meanwhile, the amount of grain forcibly taken from the uh, particularly eastern Ukrainian lands and territories was so much uh, that it not only fed the Soviet Russians, but Soviet Russian leaders also um, sold it to the Western Europe and the US. Therefore, when Orwell points out in one of the sentences, it's, it's a pretty short sentence, but if, again, if you know history of the USSR, you would catch that that one of the piggies, and I don't remember which peg it was, but when one of the piggies denies the rumors that came um, to the men farmers that at the animal farm there is such hunger that some of the animals eat each other, um, you know, they deny it. However, this significant piece and detail definitely brings up the events of the Ukrainian Holodomor. And I would urge you to read on this topic more if you're interested, and I think you should be interested. Um, and not surprisingly, Russia still doesn't recognize the famine as an act of genocide against Ukrainians. And again, I think George Orwell, that, that's it for me, but I think George Orwell has such a significant impact that I was blown away that I have not read it in Ukrainian high schools, and I think when you know the history and you know bits and pieces you know it's it's not only about um it's not only about the russian revolution you know the bolsheviks coming in um the new czar aka stalin coming in the communists and and socialism prospering it's not only about that i think again when we talk about the ussr and i think george orwell makes a great point he shows details as the particular events that the prison nations were going through. And I think just teaching kids abroad about the socialist regime or the communist regime, it's, it's basically the same thing, just to teach them that it was all the political power and it was all just Stalin, you know, it's, I think it's it's misinforming kids of what really happened. So that's it from me, but if you're interested for more, leave a comment below and let me know if you want a bit more um, coverage of particular themes from the animal farm. I know this episode was kind of like cranky, but um, nonetheless, it was just a small push for y'all to go and dig deeper because it's an amazing source. Again, it's, it's a tale, but it has such a long tail of events that can spiral you into a rabbit hole that I think it's an amazing uh, piece to reread and look for more. And as I say, don't like, don't take, leave for those who'd appreciate. So I'll see you soon. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, see you around.